All right, what's up? It's episode 22, Pain Points of Wealth. And as always, there's a lot going on. We're looking at another stimulus bill, $1.9 trillion. Companies are sitting on more cash than basically ever. Consumers are sitting on way more cash than ever. How do you play this trend? Are we in a stock market bubble? Should you go to cash? Should you diversify your money? We're going to address all those issues on today's Pain Points of Wealth. If you're going to really like it, we got a great show for you. So let's hop to it. Let's hit it. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod, Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Hey, Ryan, here we are, a year into the pandemic, right? Coming up in February, when we first learned about how deadly this COVID-19 virus was going to be. And now we have the government sitting at all these vaccines. I'm trying to get one. I can't get it. I don't know what's going on. Well, apparently, it's been a little bit of a cluster, trying cluster, you know what, trying to get these vaccines, even though we know it's going to get disseminated and we know that eventually we're all going to get it. It hasn't been the smoothest start. But Bob, what blows my mind is just all the cash out there right now. You know, we got the new Biden administration now talking about $1.9 trillion. Remember, we had $3 trillion talking about when the pandemic started, basically with the CARES Act hit the economy. We had another $900 billion at the end of last year. And we're talking about a multi-billion dollar infrastructure plan over the next two years. I mean, what do we do, guys? The world is awash in cash. Like, is this something to worry about? I actually think it's the opposite, right? I don't think it's anything to worry about. And you know, I talk to my clients every day and everybody talks about the same thing, how much they're looking forward to getting back on the road, getting back to their like normal travel schedule. So I have to think that once everybody gets vaccinated, we get some herd immunity. I think we're going to see a major boom. Well, when it's raining money, it causes a flood. What do you guys think? Where do you think that flood's going to flow, right? Water always seeks its easiest path. So I think money's the same way. Where do you think this money's going to end up? Well, first off, Bob, I think they're going to make a song called Alleluia. It's raining money. Based on what you just said, you're right. We're going to spend money. We've talked about this in pretty much every episode, how when the economy reopens, we've got this passion for living. And a lot of people actually say this after you know, we had the Spanish flu back in the late 1918, 1919, whatever years they were. Part of the catalyst for the roaring 20s was the fact that there was just so much pent-up demand to go out and live your life. I mean, it could be very synonymous, what we see here in the 2020s. But the other thing is, guys, companies are sitting on historical levels of cash too. And if their earnings are going up again this year, which looks like they are, man, they're going to want to spend a lot of money too. So you've got corporations and you have individuals just like us, literally with our wallets open, just ready to spend that cash. Yeah. But you know, here's the flying ointment. I'm getting a lot of calls from my clients, a lot of calls at our radio show on the weekend. And everybody's afraid that the new administration is going to come in and kind of mess things up. But my perspective is if I'm a politician, and you guys know how I feel about politicians, they have one job in mind, and that's to get reelected. They're going to do everything they can to keep this economy moving, actually booming, because they have one goal, not to get the country moving, to get the job again. Yeah. And I think the one thing you hear a lot about is like raising taxes. What's that mean for the market? What's that mean for the economy? And the truth is, Right. It's like political suicide to aggressively raise taxes right now when we're just in the middle of an economic recovery. 
it's not a certainty. But on the other hand, we're very, very certain about all this cash lying around. And to me, that's a much bigger bet to be making right now is the fact that we're going to spend all this cash. Well, you know, guys, as I always say, stocks are the slaves of earnings. So I think what I hear right now is that we have productivity going up, right? Productivity has grown at an 8% year over year over rate. You know, Chris, you're not driving to uh, Bluebell every day. You're saving two hours a day in commuting. You know, times that by 100, 200 million Americans. All of a sudden, we're talking about some real productivity growth. That's true, Dad. Yeah, I'm saving probably somewhere close to 10, 12 hours a week by not commuting to our office out in Bluebell than just simply working home here in Philadelphia. And the same thing goes for everybody in our company. Everybody's saving that amount of time. And that really just translates to more hours that I'm able to put into my work. I'm able to reach out to more people. And also coupled with the fact that I haven't been able to go out and see my clients, I'm seeing everybody virtually. And because I'm seeing people virtually, I'm able to connect with way more of my clients more frequently. I'm able to, to connect with more people. And I'm saving a lot more time and have a lot more free time for myself. Yeah, and it's crazy. If you look at Zoom and you wonder why the stock went up so much, they went from 10 million users, guys, to 300 million users. That's like almost the entire population of the US. So think about all those meetings you used to have to do in person that you're never going to have to do in person again. Like these productivity gains are probably here to stay, along with the fact that companies have been cutting costs. So you've got liquidity along with efficiency. Like this is just like a huge, huge wave that's going to drive this economy for the next couple of years. So I'm not real worried about a tiny tax hike as much as I am about these powerful forces that are upon us right now. Well, you know, I'm worried about a tax hike because it's my money. So don't give me this tiny tax hike problem. But let's face it, guys, we have a global pandemic. And that means everybody in the world is suffering from the same virus. We're going to have a global recovery. So make sure you're not just, you know, US centric in your portfolio. There's tremendous recovery going to happen around the globe. People are going to break out and spend everywhere. Companies both here in Asia, in Europe, in South America are also increasing productivity. They're also increasing their earnings. And those stocks, in a lot of cases, are way more cheap than what we have here in a good old US of A. Yeah, it's true, Dad. Nobody's talking about things like emerging markets, which, by the way, most of us don't know that it's up 5% for the year, and it's still trading at a substantial discount to the US. So just to put that in perspective, right now, the S&P 500 is trading at 23 times their forward earnings for 2021. The other thing to mention there too, and this is something we could probably do a whole podcast on, is you're hearing a lot of people say, well, we're adding all this debt to the economy, right? With all these stimulus packages. So does that mean the US dollar is toast? And does that mean I should put my money into Bitcoin? And the real way to play this is you want to own international markets because their currencies start to rise versus the US dollar. And what I like about owning those emerging markets, like you just said, Chris, and even the foreign markets in general, is they're paying me a dividend. And last time I looked, those cryptocurrencies, they don't pay a dividend and they don't really act as a currency. I can't buy anything with a Bitcoin. But on the other hand, I can own all the best companies around the world and it gives me a huge hedge against the US dollar. Hey, when it comes to investing, guys, I only invest in things where I know what it's backed by, right? If it's a bond, it's backed by the promise of the company to pay me interest and pay me back. If it's a stock, it's backed by the real assets of the company, their private jets, their real estate, their factories, right? Their components, all their products. I don't know what the heck Bitcoin's backed by. Some computer and read the other day, some guy lost his password. He's got millions of dollars that's stuck on a computer that he can't even find his password. I don't want to lose my portfolio because I can't remember my uncle's name. 
That's true, right? You really can't buy anything with Bitcoin. As a matter of fact, I remember a couple of years ago, you made a video of you walking into a Starbucks and trying to pay for a coffee with Bitcoin. I think they actually practically had to throw you out. In fact, I think they might have given you the cup of coffee just so you'd leave. Well, to be fair, be fair. And that actually, right. I couldn't get that cup of coffee. The guy felt bad for me and actually gave me a cup of coffee. And we just did it for the video. But you can buy munitions on the black market with your Bitcoin, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, So there are some places you can probably use it. But I think, you know, we've talked about this before on the show. It's more like the greater fool's theory. I think there's a lot of people buying Bitcoin because they think there's going to be another fool who's going to buy it for a higher price than they bought it for. And essentially, that's the whole market. And I can't really see past that where you know there's another viable reason to use this currency. You know, I've been watching a lot of football because of the uh, playoffs. I mean, the games have been spectacular, but all kinds of excitement. But you know, like anything else, everybody loves to see that big play, right? Where they throw the Hail Mary pass in the end zone, they throw a big bomb, and it's exciting, but it's got a high percentage of not working. And, you know, when it comes to Bitcoin, everybody's excited. Everybody's excited about that shiny object and they don't understand it. But boy, they think it's, you know, what they want to own. But you know what? If I'm going to bet on a team, I want a team that blocks and tackles and gets three yards in a cloud of dust. Well, there isn't any dust anymore because they're all artificial turf, but I'll take those short passes. I want something that's steady and dependable, like income, earnings increases, something I can put my teeth into and understand. And if I'm dead wrong, the company doesn't disappear. Right? When the US comes out with digital dollars and there's digital euros, Bitcoin's going to go to zero. Well, Dad, to quote one of your clients, it's not sexy, but it works. It's the tipping point. We pinpoint the pain point having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And hey, if you like our show, Pain Points of Wealth, we've been moving and grooving with and trying to give you the most common sense, best advice every single week. Please slam on the like button, subscribe to our channel. We're trying to get the good word out there, get the pain perspective out there, and engage with us. Put some comments in the comment section. Let us know what you want us to talk about. We're very open to talk anything financial. We're here for you, but click the like button, subscribe to our channel. So, gents, and I use that term very, very loosely when I talk about the two of you, uh, <laughs> I thought with the NBA back into high gear here, even though the indoor arenas are empty at the moment, we could use a basketball analogy. Bob used that fantastic football analogy during the first segment, we might as well just go all sports here. But I thought we could talk about some of the rules of basketball and we could apply them to your financial plan. And the one I think about is, you know, you're always under pressure on that basketball court because of the shot clock. You have a very, very small window that you can actually make a shot or your time is up. Hey, first of all, the NBA can't hold a candle to those monster basketball games we used to have in a driveway when you guys were growing up. And Chris, you know, shot clock, do you ever see a shot Ryan didn't want to take? I mean, he didn't need a shot clock. As soon as he got the ball, you know where it was going. Chris, what I really appreciate was the fact that we were just kids. Bob was like a grown man and he was like pushing us out of the way. You know, <laughs> he was snuffing the ball in our faces. You know, it was like, Jesus, Bob, we're just kids here. You're taking it kind of serious. Uh, yeah. Well, you want me to bring mom on, ride and hug you again? If that's not anything, he's certainly competitive. Hey, first of all, let's talk about life shot clock. Yeah, there is one, right? You have a limited amount of time on this earth. Nobody escapes alive the last I checked. And you know what? It's not really about financial planning, right? It's about depending on having a financial strategy. And you have to have order to take advantage of the financial market so you achieve your goals. Well, what I think it is, it's another year's past. And maybe last year, you were reluctant to finally sit down and finally put together a game plan. Start thinking about, okay, what do I actually spend on an annual basis? How much should I save 
and start looking at how's my money even invested. And we kind of gave ourselves a pass last year because it was a pandemic. But meanwhile, the economy is recovering. The market had a fantastic year. You're another year behind the eight ball. And every single year, that window just gets smaller and smaller. So every time you delay, you know, not only are you missing all this opportunity, but you're further behind because again, like you're like last year, you miss all those returns by not putting that game plan in place. And every single day, the clock is ticking on that. Hey, Ra, you know what? You can either put a plan in place or you can sit there and scream at the clock, right? That's true. The clock is ticking. And I'll tell you what really occurred to me, especially back in March, as the recovery started to happen, the three of us were called for a V-shaped recovery the entire time. It just occurs to me that there's really no point in time where you there's a good reason to be out of the market. I mean, there's no reason to have to make that choice of whether you're in or out. You just have to be in. You know, Chris, that's so true. That's so on point because the markets are very complex. It's not just buyers and sellers. You get interest rates, currency changes. You've got companies making decisions. There's millions of people making trades every second of the day, and the market is smarter than everybody. There's a collective wisdom of the market. What you have to do in order to be successful is have your own personal strategy that you maintain those levels. You do that, it becomes common sense. But who wants to invest on common sense when you can go crazy having fear and greed drive your emotions every day? Well, the other thing is when it comes to planning, you know, think about basketball, that double dribble, right? When you start dribbling, you can't stop and dribble again once that clock starts. Speaking of clocks again, when it comes to planning, there's a lot of high stakes decisions you have to make. Like if you're close to retirement now, when do you take social security? Because once you take it, you can't take it back. And depending on how old you are, depending on your income levels, how old your spouse is, talk about how complex it can get, you really can mess up making that decision correctly. So it's so, so important to look at all your options, again, coming to income, coming to what you're going to need in retirement and making that decision correctly. And there's literally like 100 ways you can take Social Security. So are you confident that you're going to take it the right way? Good point, Ry. You can't unring a bell and you can't unring your Social Security choice once you make it. And that's why you need to incorporate that into your overall plan. You know, you have to incorporate your spouse. It's not just about you. And unfortunately, most of you take Social Security at 62, which is absolutely the wrong thing to do without considering your options. Another important rule in the game of basketball, guys, is personal fouls. You know, and it's okay to have a foul here and there, but they add up. Eventually, when you have too many fouls, you're out of the game. And this kind of reminds me of Bob, one of your great Bobisms, we always have to get a Bobism in here, is it's okay to be wrong, but it's not okay to stay wrong. Like, are you making the same mistakes over and over again? And if you keep doing that at some point, you're basically going to put yourself in a position where you're going to blow up your retirement plan. You don't want to do that. You know, it's amazing, right? If you just took what happened in October, we had an election coming up and a lot of investors put money on the sidelines and they just wanted to wait and see how the election came out. And some people were afraid we'd have a blue wave and the market would drop accordingly. Well, what happened was we got a blue wave and the market went up 25%. So if you're still sitting in cash and you had made a bad decision, that's where it comes into play. You know, it's okay to be wrong, okay? One year is not going to change your life. But if you stay wrong for five years or 10 years, you'll never make that back. You know what, Dad? That's totally true. And I actually spoke to a client of mine the other day who actually did pull out for a small period of time during the pandemic. And we recently did the annual review and he was very excited about his year-end performance. And he said, well, look how well I did, even though I pulled out for that period of time. What I didn't have the heart to tell him was that he actually underperformed everybody else because he made that decision. Yeah, by 3 4%. <laughs> well, I also think it's kind of like Groundhog Day, right? Because 
We were worried about who was going to be elected president. Was it going to be a contested election? Then we had to worry about who's going to win the Senate. Are the Democrats going to take over? And is that going to have a detrimental effect on what happens with taxes? And now we're hearing about how all this new stimulus, is it going to put us in so much debt that the US dollar is just going to tank? You know, the US economy is never going to go anywhere again. So it's just like one concern after another. And as you like to say, Bob, again, just love these Bobisms. Time passes, markets operate. Regardless, you know, markets are going to continue to move. People are going to continue to go out every day and try to work and make a living. All that stuff's not going to stop. And that's kind of like why we're always adamant on this show. We talk about this all the time is like, make your investment decisions based on your goals, on like how much money you're going to need in retirement or when you're financially independent. Don't make it predicated on the news cycle. It's just like the same thing over and over again. Just like basketball guys, you're going to get fouled during the course of the game. The one thing you don't want to do with your investments is foul yourself, right? A self-inflicted personal foul is going to destroy your financial plan. Remember, time passes, markets operate, stay invested based on your strategy and your goals, and everything else will work out. Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 70 years helping individuals just like you with their planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything we teach you here on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially at any stage of your journey. But if you have over $500,000 saved and you want a more hands-on approach and guidance, you can apply for a free financial review. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan or simply click the link below. We can put together a full audit of your investments, the fees you're paying, tax optimization. It's what you take, not what you make, and a complete savings and income plan to ensure you're on the right path to achieving financial independence. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right. It's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. And again, if you like to hear the pains every week with our fodder on the financial markets, on financial planning, please click on that like button, slam on that subscribe button, and put your comments in the comments section. Let us know what's on your mind so we can address it right here on this podcast. All right, Bob. Nearly 17% of the US population is over the age of 65 versus 13% a decade ago. In fact, in Germany, seniors now account for nearly a quarter of its entire population. Are you calling me a senior? You better watch your mouth. First of all, the baby boomers are a big segment of the population, right? But what really impresses me is that we're only 17% of the US population. Believe it or not, millennials outnumber the baby boomers. And the other thing is they're all getting into their peak spending years, Bob. It's kind of like the baby boomers back in the 1980s. So Chris, a Maryland man just won a $50,000 state lottery prize for the second time in just over a year. Talk about being lucky. To his credit, he says he mostly used the winnings to pay off debt and boost his savings. That's really great. He's able to save some of that money. And that's just like most other Americans who are now saving more than they've ever saved, especially with the stimulus checks coming out. Yeah, you would think Americans are just blowing their cash, but they're not. They're saving it, which I think there's going to be a big party later once the economy reopens. Just saying. Bob, are we in a bubble when childhood actress turned entrepreneur Lindsay Lohan puts out a video predicting that Bitcoin will hit 100,000 and Tesla now is valued at 1.25 million per vehicle sold, 
versus only 9,000 per vehicle sold for General Motors. Wow. Hey guys, everybody knows the story about Joe Kennedy, President Kennedy's father back before the market topped in 1929. The uh, fellow that was shining his shoes was giving him stock tips and he knew the market was overvalued. I think when Lindsay Lohan is giving advice on Bitcoin, that's our new shoe shine story. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't walk from that investment. I would run. I can't even call it an investment. I would call it just a speculation. Or maybe she's come a long way since Mean Girls. I don't know. Chris, from the day Trump was elected until the day he lost to Joe Biden, the S&P 500 rose just over 12% a year. Only Bill Clinton and Calvin Coolidge presided over bigger market gains, and both of them left office near the tops of two of the most notorious equity bubbles ever. As the old saying goes, history doesn't often repeat, but it does rhyme. And if this is any indication from those past two administrations, there's never a better time to look at your portfolio and consider rebalancing and taking profits when you have them. I'm never going broke taking a profit. Bob, an estimated 2.4 million new homes are needed every single year, while only 1.6 million are being constructed. Sounds like the housing boom is going to continue. Yeah, it's amazing, Ry. You have uh, the urbanization of America going on. A lot of people moving out of the cities, getting away from the pandemic, getting away from high-priced apartments buying in the suburbs, couple that with record low interest rates, the lowest mortgage rates I've ever seen. If you haven't refinanced, please do. I think the housing boom continues. It's going to be a big driver of the economy this year. I like it, Bob. I like it. Chris, DoorDash did 200 million deliveries in 2019, which is a lot. But this year, they're going to do over a billion. It literally went from 9 million Americans using their service to over 27 million since the pandemic. I wonder why that stock has gone through the roof. Well, that's an amazing statistic. I mean, if you think about everything we were talking about with increased productivity with people working from home, it just goes to show you people are being even more efficient by having their food delivered to them. I was going to say more lazy, but you know what? Efficiency is a nicer euphemism for laziness. I'm just trying to keep it positive. <laughs> I appreciate that. All right, gentlemen, a great show. And again, if you really like our podcast, you like our content, please subscribe, click on that like button. We're going to come out with more great content week after week. And as always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.